Welcome to the Learning in Wartime podcast, a show dedicated to eternal conversations for frontline living. I'm your host, Dane Bundy. In 1938, C.S. Lewis gave a sermon at Oxford University entitled Learning in Wartime. Though war for the whole world loomed ahead, Lewis argued that we must not give up on learning, for the war doesn't create a new situation, but only aggravates the permanent one, so we no longer can ignore it. Today marks the next episode of our podcast, and it also marks a time of great uncertainty, for that's what crises do. But as Christians, our hope is found in nothing less than the eternal and sovereign one, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love technology. When I make this statement, I'm immediately reminded of Napoleon Dynamite's brother, Kip, at the end of the cult classic film, Napoleon Dynamite. Kip is so enamored by the advancements of technology that he weaves a hip-hop-inspired tribute to it right in the middle of his wedding vows. And I'll be honest with you, I feel a little bit like Kip sometimes. I remember the first computer I ever had. I don't remember its name because, well, I made it. It had wood panels for its base and those bubbly packing peanuts for its keys. It was all I could afford at the age of 11. And it wasn't until I turned 17 that I bought my first computer. And a lot has changed since I was 17. To put it in context of how rapidly things are shifting due to technology, I'd like to read to you some facts from one of my favorite books called Contentment by Dr. Richard Swenson. He's a medical doctor, professor, and futurist. As I read these facts, I want you to remember one thing. This book was written in 2013. This is from the appendix titled Dysfunctional Math. This is what Dr. Swenson writes. More video is uploaded to YouTube in 60 days than all three major television networks created in 60 years. The average American is exposed to 10 hours of media per day and watches 34 hours of television per week. We must learn to operate 20,000 pieces of equipment in our lifetime. In the next century, we will have a million times more technology than we do now. Artificial intelligence is increasing 10 million times faster than human intelligence. Knowledge workers check email 50 times a day, use instant messaging 77 times a day, and visit 40 websites per day. There was more change in the last century than in all of recorded history prior to 1900. There will be a thousand times more change in this century than the last. As I place the book down, I think to myself, while the world we're living in is rapidly advancing and morphing in a matter which humans have never experienced before, I am so thankful that we can know a God who doesn't change. Just think about that. I just received a new computer yesterday, and I asked myself, a little sadly, how long until that computer is out of date, like the other ones that line my shelf? Unlike man or the works of his hands, God is not advancing or growing wiser. He is perfect and forever will be that way. For us, this wouldn't matter so much if he'd chosen to remain hidden or unknowable, But God has not. In Christ and through his word, as you know, he shared with us truths that will never change, principles that will always apply, and a path that will always remain straight. As the saying goes, God nor his word will ever be today's treasure and tomorrow's hot 
garage sale item. And here, my friends, is the key to wrestling with ever-changing technology to bring it to God's unchanging revelation. And to help me apply God's wisdom to today's technological questions and challenges are my fellow colleagues, Bryce Ballard and Chelsea Carrier. Miss Carrier and Mr. Ballard, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. Yeah, excited to be back again. Well, today is a fun topic. We're talking about technology. We're going to be wrestling with it in that there's a lot of questions when it comes to technology that I think as Christians, we really need to be thinking through carefully. And so I'm going to just open up with this question and feel free to jump right in. Does the Christian faith have anything to say specifically about technology? I think the Christian faith um, in regards to technology, you know, I think we should treat it like we would treat all areas of our life. I think a lot of times for us as the Christian, we we like to dichotomize our faith. We like to say, you know, my music is over here. My movie watching is over here. Uh, my book reading is over here. And then my faith is over here, you know, and it, and they don't inter, they don't intersect and they don't interact. But the reality is that if we are to live a manner uh, in order to glorify God through Christ living in us, then every aspect of our life, right, must be wrapped in our faith. And that includes technology, whatever kind of technology it is or that we're using. That's a great point. And Merriam-Webster defines technology as the application of scientific knowledge to the practical aims of human life. And I was like, that's a that's a nice definition. <laughs> Miriam Webster, you should do more of that defining thing. And but technology, <laughs> right? It's it's rooted as it says here in science, in scientific knowledge. And I was just thinking about I was talking with an individual who you know, who had studied science for for many many years and just thinking through how the modern scientific method has come out of really the Christian worldview. These Christians had a belief in the order of the universe and the reliability of observation. And so I, I would say just to add on to you, Mr. Ballard, that technology is an extension of scientific knowledge, the scientific process. And in that sense, that is a that is possible because of the Christian worldview. Right. And if God is over science, which he is, <laughs> yes. so God is also over technology. Mm -hmm. As we think about technology, and some of us are more technologically savvy than, than others, I know that uh, someone in this chat room, and it's not me and it's not Miss Carrier, <laughs> didn't have didn't have wireless internet until <laughs> March. Now, I've, it's like... I have so many questions for you, Mr. <laughs> Ballard. Like, what? You, no internet? Hey, we're living in the dark age over here in the Ballard household. <laughs> You're a free man. Free Who man. needs it? Who needs it? Uh, yeah, you know, there, we, we, we technically had internet, I guess, uh, in the sense, really, it started with my little, uh, I had internet for a while and it was wireless and it was CenturyLink and it was really bad. You know, yeah. sh shout out there. And I got so mad. <laughs> I got so mad at dealing with it all the time. I was like, you know what? This ain't worth it anymore. And I just shut it down. And hey, we pay for unlimited data anyway. So we, we like to use our hotspots on our phones to get our internet. But, you know, obviously COVID put a wrench in that plan. So I bit the bullet. You know, cheap old Mr. Ballard ended up. I'm going to start a GoFundMe after this. So Mr. Ballard can... <laughs> 
pay for internet. But help we are, me connect to the 21st century. <laughs> help me connect. But we are we are out of the woods here. Oh, <laughs> Fully out of the dark I bought age. an iPad. I have internet. Hey, we're rolling. <laughs> he is converted. Yes. Well, that leads me to this question. What do you guys think then are the greatest benefits from technology today? And I, I would like to focus, I mean, we could talk about technological advancements in medicine and in a lot of different areas. Let's kind of focus on what we think about technology today. You know, when I think about um, computers and we think about, you know, cellular devices and those types of technological advancements, what would you say for you has been the greatest benefits that you see? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say something. Well, it's not really going out on a limb. I guess it feels like it for me Um, because I'm not actually a a good millennial. I still have a flip phone Um, (laughs) and I can't even use my mom's smartphone. Um, But I uh, take an online class. That's how I'm getting my master's degree. And it's ironic because it's a great books program. So it is a Mm. um, liberal arts uh, humanities degree that's really got basis in the classical uh, tradition, which, you know, we talk about all the time in the program of how ironic that is that we're, we're doing that online. But, you know, around um, where I live in Morristown in East Tennessee, there, that necessarily isn't a um, popular opportunity. And I really didn't want to have to move down to Alabama or somewhere else. So having that technology, being able to do a Google Hangouts call and discussion Mm. boards and email papers to my professors and have them comment on them um, through a Google Talk is a way for me to be able to pursue my education. That's a great point. And it really makes connecting with people in one sense very much easier, very much easier and inefficient. What about you, Mr. Ballard? I like that question a lot. Um, and I'm glad you asked that question because I think a lot of times we as Christians, because of the compartmentalization of our faith, we we tend to put technology in a corner and we, we, we almost say it's like, it's either bad or it's good. And most of the time, I, I think I see in the Christian church, we view it as like this bad, evil thing that we need to stay away from. So I think it's good that you asked that question. What are some benefits yeah. for technology today? Because the reality is technology is an inerrant object, right? Like right. Um, yeah. it, it, it doesn't think, it doesn't feel, it doesn't have a mind of its own. I mean, I guess we have Google Home, you know, but even there it's responding to me. Um so technology is an extension of of who I am and how technology is used is going to be based on my identity, right? And if my identity mm. is wrapped up in the world or wrapped up in myself, I'm going to use that technology to make myself known or fall into the world mm. more. If my self is wrapped up in my identity in Christ, then hopefully technology represents that. So I think it – and I, I, I call – technology a lot of times a sin amplifier Ooh, I like <laughs> right that. Like, yeah. like there's i have this sin that i'm struggling with and technology doesn't necessarily make that sin happen but it amplifies it and makes it known but on the other on the other hand it can also be a christ amplifier i think in the sense that like i said it's flowing from who i am And so some of the greatest benefits I see for it today is just how much of the world we can reach for Christ through Mm -hmm. technology, whether Mm -hmm. that's, um, you know, posting a devotion on Instagram or 
you know, being able to connect, like you said, over, over a zoom or over Google classroom and being able to, to communicate and have community, you know, our churches right now, how cool is that? That in a moment of a pandemic where we're like, Hey, you guys can't be or touch or, you know, you guys are just, you have to be apart. We're still able to connect on Sundays. Um, you know, and it's not ideal, but technology has really, I think, helped us in a situation like this. Yeah, it, it's definitely um, provided an alternative to to nothing. Right. <laughs> if that, right. makes, if yes. that makes sense. Um, you still get to see people's faces. I know that, you know, my best friend um, has been a missionary in China and, um, you know, there, there's some limitations still in our conversations and things, but when she's over there being able to encourage one another um, in ways that, you know, we can't call um, and even letter writing something written down, you know, probably need to be a little bit more careful than in um, certain types of video calls that you might be able to do um, and use to, you know, you still see facial expressions and things like that through a video call. And so it helps with that community of believers, like you said. Yeah. And how cool is it to see, and I've talked to a few pastors during this time and they've all said like, although this isn't ideal for us, it's also been really cool to see like how we can, you know, continue our ministry and further our ministry through the use of technology in ways that we may not have thought of to do Mm -hmm. before all of this happened. Yeah. It really has forced us to think creatively, think out of the box. And I've found that that technology really does make my work more efficient. And I wouldn't say necessarily it makes my work more effective, but it can help make my work more effective, I would say. And I think it can help make my work more creative. And I think that's what we see with churches and these I mean, just everyone who's trying to pivot right now is technology is allowing us to be effective when, like you had said, Miss Carrier, it's either effective or nothing. You know, it's like we can't meet. So it's either we don't meet or we try something creative using technology. Mm -hmm. But as you guys know, there really is a dark side to technology as well. And what do you wish parents or teachers knew about technology in regards to the way that it affects their kids. So you guys are in classrooms every day when we're in school and you notice these things. And what do you wish parents and teachers knew? I think there's a lot of, I don't know if competition is the right word for it. Um, But what I think I see are, you know, maybe a means of parenting for a kid um, that is maybe more prepared to handle technology, maybe has more self-control Um, you know, they're just a different kid. And so that parent may extend their means a little more. And then I think sometimes though, you might have a child that really struggles with that. And then, but that parent sees this parenting style over there and sees, Oh, Hey, I like that. I want to do that. But maybe that child isn't quite ready, you know, to have that kind of reign in the technological world. So I think one of the key things to dealing with technology and students is that every child is different. Every Mm. child is going to interact with that technology differently. Every child is going to have a different level of self-control. You know, I think I see a lot of like video game addiction. Some children are able to go play 30 minutes of video games and then shut that thing off and walk away. Some children are not able to do that. Once Mm -hmm. they turn that thing on, 
you know, they're glued for an hour. Some children might be able to, or are more able to follow their parents' instructions on how to use their phone. They're not going to secretly, you know, one thing that I did when I was a kid was secretly download apps that my parents <laughs> didn't know I had. And then, kid? Yeah, I'm so old. <laughs> and then I would, and then I would, um, you know, use it for, for a while, maybe an hour or so. And then I delete it after. So they never knew that I had it on my phone, you know? And so I think every child's differently and uh, every parenting style and how they deal with technology is differently. And they shouldn't feel guilty about that. Um, just prayerfully walk through how am I going to handle technology for my child specifically? Yeah. I think that's, that's a pretty wise thing. You know, I don't have children, um, so I just sit back and take notes on my parents raising my siblings and everybody else's kids that come through my classroom. And I think that's a consistent thing, um, you know, that you see is that each child is different. And I think so many times, you know, um, parents are sometimes afraid to go with their gut. Um, mm. And they feel like they have to perform um, a certain or certain way because teachers are going to think this or that, or um, other parents are going to think this or that. Um, whether it's that their child has too much technology or not enough, and mm-hmm. you know, I think one of the th- the things about parenting that I've just observed is that it's not a formula. I mean, obviously, there's some principles, but it's very much like a dance. Um, and so, I I would want to say to parents to to go with their gut. Um, and I think a lot of the times your gut's going to tell you to let them be kids first. So consider mm-hmm. what is developmentally appropriate for that child. Let them learn things that are um, what you want technology to be used for. So for example, um, focus more on play and creativity. They can learn the mm-hmm. technology later to be used as a tool for that, not mm-hmm. um, the technology first and then hoping those other things come later. So I don't feel like they should feel like they have to have pressure. I think there's lots of pressure in our culture and in education to move things along too fast, um, not just with technology, but with other things as well. And so I kind of want to repurpose. Luther once said that reason should be the handmaiden to faith. And I think that technology kind of is you uh, Mr. Ballard and, and Mr. Bundy have said that technology needs to be the handmaiden of learning and creativity and all these other things that we're talking about. And I see this in my sister because, you know, slowly my parents have integrated technology in with my siblings and it has had to be a little different with each of them um, because they're different and also because just our lives are different at different seasons. But my sister, um, is very artistic and she has been able to just play with physical materials. Um, mm. And after spending years of being a kid and not having as much technological involvement, you know, she is 14 years old and she doesn't have a phone. Um, but there are opportunities my parents have provided where she's watching videos and experimenting with different mediums now that involve more technology. Um, but she's got some of those other skills first and I'm getting to watch her kind of blossom in that way. And I think, I think that's healthy. Well, I think you guys hit on such an important point, which just comes down to the parents knowing their children, what makes them tick, where they struggle, where they excel. Mm -hmm. And it's just not going to be the same for every child. You may want to introduce 
a phone at an earlier age for this child and not for mm-hmm. another one. And, yeah. Oh, it's not fair. Well, this <laughs> parents know best <laughs> at this place, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would also just say before we move on to the next question that I would want parents and teachers to know that technology makes it so much easier for our children to hide their lives from us. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And a great example of this is actually in this movie, which I recommend Miss Carrier and Mr. Ballard, if you guys are going to watch any movie this summer, I'd recommend you seeing this movie and parents and those who are listening. It's called Searching. It's a fascinating movie. I don't want to really give it away, but it has a kind of a Hitchcockian feel after Alfred Hitchcock. Ooh. It's a um, kind of a, a mystery. It's a it's a father who's trying to find his daughter. And I'm going to leave it at that. But that idea of how easy it is for our kids to hide from us with their text messages and their Instagram life in their chap sna- or Snapchat, excuse me, shows how old I am. <laughs> but that is a way for them to really reveal some of the things that they struggle with, struggle with some of the things that they want. And often parents and teachers have absolutely no idea right. what, what's really going on. And I would say, don't be afraid to wade in to that yes. world. Yes. Yeah. Right. How, you know, the question is probably coming from their mind. Well, how, how do I keep my child from maybe hiding that from me? Well, wade into that world. Ask bold questions. You know, ask specific questions. Are they going to like it? No, of course not. You know, <laughs> when I was a teenager, my parents would ask those questions. No, I didn't like it. But, I, you know, now I understand that it wasn't my parents' job necessarily to be my best friend. Yeah. Or for me to even like them necessarily, it was their job to point <laughs> me to Christ yeah. and guide me, you know, to, 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 to my future and, and, and in hopes that the Lord can use me for his glory. So don't be afraid to say, hey, who, who are you Snapchatting and what are you Snapchatting? You know, um, what, uh, what's your favorite app right now? You know, and, and, and ask those bold questions. Yeah. I think just going off of that, the thing that I've heard the most from parents when technology comes up in a parent-teacher conference is how they have had to pull back in terms of monitoring their children more. Um, So maybe pull back isn't the right word, but they've had to become more involved or set up more boundaries, um, not the other way around of feeling like they need to loosen up. And so I don't think that there is a regret in being too involved. And obviously that's going to, as we've said, look different for each child um, and each parent. Um, But yeah, I would definitely say, you know, dive in and often, um, I think children appreciate things more 10 to 15 years after the fact. Um, not necessarily right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I've had several conversations with students that have come into my office and I could tell they're struggling. And a lot of times, especially with guys, they almost, it's like they want to tell me, but they don't. They want to be caught. Gonna, yeah. You know, and I'm just going to be pretty bold here, but I'll straight up look at, some of the guys that come into my office and I'll just look them in the eye and I'll say, are you watching pornography right now? Right? Like I'm going to ask that bold of a question because I feel like, you know, me maybe being a little prodding right now in this moment 
is going to be more important than you <laughs> being comfortable sitting in that chair across from me right now. Cause I want an opportunity to preach truth and the gospel into that moment. Yeah. So exactly. Well, that well, shows you care. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm really glad you do that, Mr. Ballard. And I think that just to connect with that idea of technology being a sin amplifier, that technology can expose us to more of what the world values. Mm. And it does that in a way which simultaneously can isolate us. So you think about we we are often in corners with our cellular devices. We may be in with our may, may be in the same room with our family, but we are just being exposed. Yes, we can be exposed if we choose to, you know, pornography and those types of things. But even if we think about those things which on the surface seem less sinister, we just think about being exposed to just the values of the world. And I'm reminded of First John 2, in which he writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride in possessions. And I think, oh my goodness, that yeah. is Instagram. <laughs> that is that is Facebook. It's like we're constantly being bombarded. It's like how the technology is set up so that it's so easy for us to share things that stir up desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and make people be jealous of what we have. And Instagram is not evil. Facebook is not evil. Snapchat is not evil, but it can be a conduit so easily if we're not careful. And I would just say, like you had said, both of you had said, parents, don't be shy to jump in and follow your child's feed, um, yeah. follow their their account. And you ask yourselves, you know, are they being more exposed to what the world values than what God values on a regular day on a regular basis? And if you feel like they're being exposed more to what the world values, then I think it's wise to really talk about as a family how to cut down that time that that your child is on their device, or even as a family that we're on our devices. You know, it's funny what what both of you all are saying, um, reminded me just of really parenting, um, in general, um, not just with technology, but just ideas and the things that, that kids are exposed to and how you're going to expose them to different things at different ages. But the key is to be talking with them about it. Um, there's a key, um, the Shema in Deuteronomy. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I probably said that incorrectly. Mr. Ballard, <laughs> you can correct me. Um, but it talks about, you know, when you lie down and when you rise up and when you walk by the way and when you are sitting in your house, how you're constantly talking about the things of the Lord and you're asking questions. And so this is really part of an ongoing conversation in which we, um, there's a verse my mom really shared with me a lot as a teenager was about taking things captive, every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. And it doesn't mean that we're like preaching at our kids all the time or anything like that, but it does mean that we're sharing life together. Um, it goes back to that community piece. And so um, technology is one of those things that can be used to bring community, as we've talked about, and also as we've talked about to shut off community. And so if we use it as a tool to foster community in our own homes, um, that's really what's going to help teach these kids to be responsible stewards of the technology that we have available to us. Yeah, it's interesting that you 
you know, use the Shema there because what that Hebrew is doing there in, in that list is its goal is to say all of life, mm. right? This yeah. talk about the things of the Lord in all areas of your yeah. life. Yeah. Take these opportunities when you're sitting at home, walking along the way, lying down to preach the gospel to your kids and to yourself and to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a beautiful verse. The the verse that comes to my mind is Romans twelve two, and you know I I, I always quote this verse. I love this yeah. verse. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. But when I talk about it, I always you know it's do not be conformed to this mm-hmm. world, but be transformed by the mm-hmm. renewal of your mind. And when I yeah. think about that verse, when I think about conforming, I think of like having a piece of play doh in my hand, and I'm going to put pressure from mm-hmm. the outside in to make that Plato be what I want it to be. Yeah. You know, that's what the world is doing. And we, when we're immersed in technology, a lot of times it can have that effect. It's this outside pressure that's trying to conform me and push me and mold me into what it wants me to look like. However, on the flip side, transformation right, is inside out. And that can only be done through the work of Jesus Christ living in me. And so there's this not not inward pressure necessarily, but inward, I don't even know the word to say, an inward movement that's happening in my mm, life saying, yeah. I'm not going to let the world and the technology around me shape who I am. Instead, I'm going to be transformed by Christ and I'm going to shape the world and yeah. technology through yeah. him living in me. Yeah, goodness, it's such a battle of the mind. I think the only way we can do that is just to draw closer to Christ and let the Holy Spirit lead that. Amen. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and Miss Carrier, I like what you said once again, uh, you know, requoting Luther, but just making technology our handmaiden, making technology a tool. It's so easy to have technology in our presence on the internet as part of our identity. Mm-hmm. But we must just remember that it is a tool that can be used for good, but that needs to stay that way. Right, right. <laughs> it needs to stay in the toolbox. Another question that I think parents can ask that can be really valuable, you know, when we, we have a big section about this in our eighth grade Bible worldview class, and, uh, you know, it's, it's more of a cultural segment, but we talk a lot about technology. And we ask the question, I, I have them, you know, write a summary of a movie, a TV show, a song that they're currently into, that they like, these students. And then I ask them, you know, as Christians, should we withdraw from that song, that movie, that TV show, should we assimilate with meaning to become like, you know, does it have values mm. in it that I can follow that TV show, music, uh, movie, or should we engage it? Meaning mm. there might be some areas of that uh, technological thing that we are into video game, music, whatever that we can take and apply. Um, but there's also areas of it that, you know, aren't appropriate and we need to talk about those and walk through those and talk about why. Um, I think that's a really cool thing that you can even do with your kids and maybe try to place some of these different things that come across us in technology into those categories. Do we assimilate? Do we withdraw? Do we engage? And I think we'll find for the most part as Christians, we do we do want to engage with culture. It gives us avenues and, and technology. It gives us avenues to share the gospel. It gives us avenues to start good gospel conversations. Um, we definitely don't want to assimilate <laughs> with culture, but we also definitely don't want to withdraw. But that's a really good question to start walking your kids through and just getting them in the practice 
right? Of doing those things, not just sitting and just consuming, but rather engaging and almost almost being a part in, in, in like we said, making technology our handmaiden. Well, I think very similar questions can be applied to to movies and and TV shows or even, you know, YouTube shows. Mm-hmm. I, I find that most of my students don't even watch Netflix anymore or, <laughs> or, or Amazon really? Prime. Yeah. yeah, they're you know, they are watching Especially maybe with, I would say, with like the middle school, I'm finding yeah. that mo- most of them are on YouTube. That's where they're bringing in their content. But a lot of it still is narrative and form. And I think you can, as a parent and a teacher, you can still constantly be engaging with them by asking them important questions. So you could be asking them, you know, why why did you like this episode? What do you think this episode is trying to say is something we should love? What is this episode trying to say is something we should hate? And just asking them questions. And I think that the earlier you start that, the easier it will be. If you start just with your senior and you just randomly do it out of nowhere, it's going to be more difficult than if you start that questioning program. Not as like, I'm questioning you like I'm trying to accuse you, but having (laughs) a conversation. And if you start that in you know, in sixth grade, when they're moving into the logic stage, that can be really helpful for them not to be just passive intakers of this content, but Mm -hmm. to transform them into like what you said, Mr. Bowd, where they're actively engaging with it. So then they're asking those great questions that, that you had them ask. Right. Don't, yeah, don't sit them down in a chair and put a spotlight on them. (laughs) Look at, look at their eyes dilate and say, you know, why, but I would say participate in it with them. And then that's a great way. And listen, you may be like, oh, this show is horrible. I have no idea why my teenager likes this show. But then you can ask them, like you said, Mr. Buddy, why do you like that show? What What is it telling you about the world and yourself? And man, what a way to build relationship and also teach them how to use technology at the same time. And you know, surprise, we like talking about ourselves. Like <laughs> sure it's do. just a, whether it's our <laughs> fallen nature or what, but I found that kids like often like to, to talk about themselves and talk about what they liked about it. And so, especially if you start at a, you know, a sixth grade or seventh grade level, I think yeah. that would be a great way to just continue that rich conversation. Miss Carrie, Mr. Ballard, what apps or applications or websites do you think that parents should be aware of? Uh, as a matter of concern, or that could just really benefit them. Yeah. So right now, and I try to do this actually once a semester at school for our, for our teachers is kind of put out a little document about three or four newly popular apps that are out there that, you know, it's good to engage with your child about and at least research. The biggest one that has made its like 2020 debut and exploded onto the scene is TikTok. Hmm. Um, and most of you parents probably heard about it before. It's basically an app that, you know, you can put music, dub it over, and you can like do dance moves or, you know, do a, a funny skit. They're, they're supposed to be like quick little snidbit videos. They're not supposed to be long. Um, it's almost like an Instagram and Snapchat mixed together because Snapchat mm. is short videos, but they disappear. TikTok's like almost mm. these short videos that stay. Um, mm. But... Uh, there are definitely some videos on there. There's def- there's some cool videos. There's some exciting videos, but there are definitely some videos and profiles that are a little frightening, a little scary, got some inappropriate language, you know, sometimes even 
um, some nudity and stuff. So it's definitely good to monitor what your child is is watching and what profiles they're following on that TikTok app. And that's a great point, Mr. Ballard. And just to add on to that, the kids or, or anyone who's on that, we don't have to look very far yeah. to find those feeds or those TikTok, I don't know what you would call them, stories or clips that have that graphic you know, imagery or, or nudity um, or language. You don't have to look far at all. You just kind of go to the homepage. Right. And I'm not saying that you should not let your child use it, but just be aware it is so easy, mm-hmm. especially for a young child to to stumble upon it and then just have images in his mind or language in his mind that that he can never get rid of. And what's interesting is is TikTok is actually flowing over into Instagram as well, you know, in the sense that a lot of people will post um, you know, that short clip on TikTok and then they'll take it and also post it on their Instagram account as well. Well, Ms. Carrier, what about you? What are some resources that you'd recommend for parents? Yeah, so I am not extremely tech savvy, but one resource that I find um, just really interesting and provides a lot of different um, ways to think about um, children and education and just growing, um, continuing this conversation about, you know, developing virtue. Uh, Circe Institute um, provides a lot of podcasts and webinars and articles and things. And it's for um, teachers and parents and parents who are also teachers. um, And they talk about a lot of these similar, you know, issues. So I feel like that kind of goes along with the ethos of the Learning in More Time podcast and just listening to you all talk. I think also sometimes um, it's helpful to Google. I do this a lot because I can't keep up with every movie or book or song that my parents um or sorry, that my students uh, listen to or watch. And so I will research them and I look at a lot of movie reviews. And sometimes those movie reviews will like, they'll give you an overview, but they'll also have, especially common sense media, they have um, questions that you can talk through with your child um, after, you know, or during or before watching the movie. And so that's, you know, just a resource that you could have in your back pocket. You don't have to use it to think for you. There may be things you agree or disagree um, with, but it is, it is a helpful tool. Well, those are some great, great resources. And this has been a really helpful conversation for me hearing how like-minded you two are on this, but it's also good and refreshing to remind ourselves that technology is not evil. I think it's very easy for us to to jump on that bandwagon. So much good has come from technology. I mean, I just think about the Gutenberg Press, which was a huge technological leap, which I'm sure that there were some people there who were like, whoa, I don't know. And yes, I'm sure that many publications that were false and deceptive were published from those presses, but think of all the good that came from it as well. And I think it's that age old, that age old um, choice of wisdom and discernment that we need to use as technology progresses, remembering that it's a tool and that it's supposed to serve us, like Miss Carrier said about the the handmaiden. Well, Miss Carrier, Mister Bauer, thank you so much. Uh, it was great to have you again on the show. Yeah, thank right. you for having me. Thank you. I had a good good time. Well, that wraps up our time for the Learning in Wartime podcast. I'm Dane Bundy, your host. Thank you so much for listening. My prayer is that this podcast would be a great encouragement to you in this time of war. And remember, today's going to be a great day for our Lord 
reigns. Rest in him. See you next week.